Hello again, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Roback, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hey, Mark. It was great to see you last week with our little uh, golf outing that we go to for... Uh, Benefits the, the a local hospital basically right. yeah, yeah yeah so 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 it was good and then uh so so that was uh we could go friday and then uh we went down to a wedding in brooklyn that was on sunday and we spent a couple of days I tell you got back from that wedding on at, at like midnight on 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 sunday so we spent two nights right down near the foot of the brooklyn bridge and we we went to dumbo and all this other kind of stuff and i said i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna walk over the brooklyn bridge uh-huh. I told my daughter we're going to do that. I, I didn't wake up in time, <laughs> um, so well, but it was it was really nice. My my wife picked out a wonderful place, and uh, I'm vacation this week. Got another wedding to go to this coming weekend, and uh, work's calling, and I have stuff to do on the commission. So uh, anything going on with you after uh, after we golfed? Yeah, so I had a wedding also. My uh, nephew got married on uh, Saturday evening up in. Uh, Deerfield Mass, so a little Beautiful. bit of a drive for me, but it was a really nice venue, a small wedding. Uh, so congratulations to uh, Kevin and Alyssa. So it was uh, Gail's uh, brother's son, and uh, he, he got married. So yeah, that was good. I had a great time at that. So it was a lot of fun. Beautiful. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I should say congratulations to uh, Tracy and Philip then for last weekend. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and what relation were they? It's my my wife's mother's cousin's son. Ah, so okay. It's a second, I guess, a second cousin for my wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah all right, a little a little removed, but nevertheless. Yeah. yeah. And then then the one this coming weekend is is my my mother's sister's son's daughter's wedding. So my my cousin's kid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad you can keep that straight, huh? <laughs> All right. So uh, as you can tell, Pete and I have been friends for a long time, 30 plus years. We met in college and then uh, ended up working together also for a long time. Pete's still working hard, uh, getting some calls and things that are, it affected our recording here a little bit, but uh, yeah. So uh in each of these episodes, we'll review all 40 songs in the Chosen Weeks Countdown and provide some factual information on each song, as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. Uh, at the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for the best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer. And we will give our individual A plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition, so please no wagering. So, today is episode 17 of the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, and it's the American Top 40 from the week ending August 23rd, 1975. And the title of this week's uh, episode is The Hamilton Captain, Joe Frank, and Tennille. <laughs> Somehow I knew you would pick that one. 
Yeah. Oh, boy. So a little background. I, I usually come up with maybe half a dozen titles and I allow Pete to either pick one or come up with uh, with his own. And so uh, <laughs> I, I sort of always have the biased one I think you're going to pick. And usually you don't pick the one, but this, this week I was great. So, uh, well, we had so much fun with uh, with Hamilton, Joe Frank and Reynolds last week. I, I and, and I think we'll be hearing from those uh, those gentlemen again today. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I was talking to somebody last night about it because uh, some people I play trivia with also worked at the same company as us and know Joe Frank. And <laughs> so it's just it's kind of funny. So uh, uh, any idea what you were up to at this uh, time in 1975? Well, yeah. Um, got out the date book, but uh, kind of knew what was going on. We had just gotten back from our trip to Europe, which was 45 days. So we left June 30th and we arrived back on August 14th. And that's 45 days. I've never been on a wow. Maybe I have been on longer vacation or vacations, but that that was a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I tell you, I because it was the summertime, we've talked, you know, we've gone through every year of the decade. And you know what? Pretty much, I've done something like that every every week. You know, there's a few dead weeks in between things. Yeah, and, uh, we but, had your uh, you had your tobacco working summer. Did well, you yeah, go yeah. <laughs> that's right, 1979. Yeah, yeah, I, I did that. I went to scout camp, and that was about it. Yeah, in 1979. But we had some wonderful trips, and it was great memories. And I thank uh, my folks for uh, taking on these journeys and, uh, yeah. and having a date book. And, yeah, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, but previous this week on the twentieth, we picked up the two older sisters. It's the, so that was a Wednesday, and uh, and I had a call from sister number three who went to Europe, and and she says we picked them up at the camp. Uh, was it the Girl Scout camp or the Four H camp? Because what they did their last uh, ten days of of their time is they went bicycling up in Prince Edward Island, and they had spent uh, time out in Western New York and Binghamton with grandparents and, and aunts and uncles while we were away and uh sister number two who just happened to chime in at that point in time says it was so boring in, in <laughs> binghamton at tante susie's house <laughs> but during that time there sister number one turns out that sister number three remembers she made curtains for the room that sister number one and three shared and uh and so we're going to talk about that when we see each other at this wedding this weekend and yeah uh, so, and then uh, Mukesh, I had to remember Mukesh's last name or where he was from, but Mukesh Desai, he came to visit on, on the day that this, uh, that this uh, episode of episode of, of the American Top 40 came out. And he was a gentleman who was going to college, uh, he was from Pakistan. And yeah. we also saw him on September 7th of the next month. So, uh, you know, a bunch of foreign students always uh, rolled through the university, and, and my folks always uh, had an open door, so we met people from all over the planet. This time, it was time for Mukesh. Ah, interesting. So, yeah. yeah. And my father had a lot of things to do with the uh, professional engineering boards during that week, and and then school started the next week, so. Yeah, yeah. Date book. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Gardo, because uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I, I really uh you know other than i think getting ready to start the sixth grade i believe yep 
And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so not not a lot of a lot of memories from this time. It's it's a it's a fog, but still pretty young. So yeah. Well, anyhow, so when you pulled out your copy of the of the times that you were delivering, if they were still <laughs> it was still around then. Um, yeah. What, what, you, what were you reading the headlines? Yeah. So I I don't know if this would have been in the times, but uh, on, on August fifteenth, some members of Jehovah's Witnesses believed that Armageddon would have occurred and uh, that was based on their the group's chronology uh, looks like it didn't happen as far as well, we know yeah well let me let me uh just to jump in here is uh when uh, we're staying at in in brooklyn there's this big sign that says welcome and uh in that welcome sign i looked it up and that building that said welcome used to say watchtower Oh, and so that was the headquarters for the Jehovah Witnesses before they moved away a bunch of years ago to probably get away from, you know, the the, the taxes and the I don't know if they're taxed, but the high cost of living perhaps in in New York City. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in so, Brooklyn. Yeah, so I wonder if that was there when this prediction was uh, was made. Yes, because it was installed. It, it said Watchtower, and it, it was installed in in uh, 1969. Okay. And on the 50th anniversary, they changed it into Welcome. So last night, my wife and I were watching Kojak. Uh-huh. And Kojak is right near the Brooklyn Bridge. And over his left shoulder, you can see the watchtower sign kind of from the side. <laughs> All right. And and the, the great thing is, as we we're, as were driving into through Manhattan, it took us over this bridge and down the, the, the east side of Manhattan and I'd never been on the Brooklyn Bridge before that I remember. Okay, we drove over it uh, this time. Yeah. But as as we're driving through here, I, I, I said to I said to my wife, I says, I bet Kojak was here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean that was that was what was really cool about that show that it was you know filmed there and and so you, you see all that great New York scenery uh, when New York was you know not not. <laughs> not the greatest place in the 70s yeah that that in mcleod show show the you know the pre-bankruptcy you know when 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 jerry ford said drop dead yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Anyhow, uh, so what so that's that's why i'm i was really happy to see that on on, on today's uh, news feed yeah 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 so a uh, couple other things, uh, music-wise, on August 16th, uh, singer Peter Gabriel announced his departure from the rock group Genesis. And then on August 25th, Bruce Springsteen's album Born to Run is released in the United States. Big, big record. I have it in my collection. Yeah, of course, it had the title track Born to Run, it had Thunder Road, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, and Jungle Land. And as I was researching this, I just sort of came across this thing uh, that there's a Sesame Street album called Born to Add. And the cover has uh, Bert on it uh, in the same pose as Bruce Springsteen next to the Cookie Monster, who I guess is supposed <laughs> to be Clarence Clemens. And so I'm going to put a link to that in in the show notes because it's it, the the names of the the bands they got on there and the names of the songs are are just uh, a genius. So it's, it's, it's really funny. Well, they're very, very, uh, very clever over there at the 
children's television workshop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think instead of the E Street Band, it's the S Street Band. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, on September first, Gunsmoke goes off the air. I believe at that time that was the longest running TV show, prime time anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was a momentous event. I, was that part of the Rural Purge? Or that, I think that came had, earlier. I think I hung on for a couple more seasons. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the Royal Purge was at the end of '71. Okay, yeah. So this this was a yeah a few seasons later. Yeah. All Anything right. Going on with tech. Yeah, you know, not not much. Seems like we talk a lot about the uh, the the sort of planetary uh, NASA stuff. And yeah, on August twentieth, uh, the Viking program uh, NASA launched the Viking One planetary probe to mars and uh yeah it ended up landing there and we got our first pictures of the surface and that was really cool back then for sure yeah, yeah. well <clears throat> the unemployment rate was 7.1 percent and the inflation rate was 5.9 percent so yeah you know, we're yeah in malaise I yeah yeah tough tough times uh you know particularly that unemployment rate that was that was no fun Kind of why, you know, shows like Good Times, remember in the song it mentions temporary layoff. <laughs> That's right. Credit ripoff and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and uh, yeah, cost of a gallon of regular gas for the data I could find was uh, 36 cents, which that would be $1.98 today. Do you have any uh, real-time data? Well, yes, I do. Refute that? <laughs> okay. I, I will. Ref this last time, we were spot on. This time, uh -huh. uh you're you must have been buying gas like in texas where the refineries are oh okay <laughs> cheaper <huh? laughs> because for the volkswagen bus on august uh 26th a fill up uh, of 12.1 uh, gallons cost seven and a quarter which was 59.9 cents a gallon okay wow yeah and that we got 17.85 mpg yeah and for the vw square back on august 21st earlier in the week uh it was 8.3 gallons for four dollars and 80 cents or 57 cents a gallon oh okay yeah but yeah we, we did get 25.76 miles per gallon yeah yeah they have to go back and look at look up what was going on in 1975 was there a big shift because this is an average price that i had so yeah, yeah. yeah these are spot prices yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spot on yeah <laughs> right on yeah <laughs> Anything on TV? Yeah, one yeah. Of our, so, one of our favorite uh, uh, entertainers is on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some interesting stuff. So I went back to the a Wednesday, and that was uh, August twentieth, nineteen seventy-five. And um, so on on CBS at eight, we had the uh, Tony Orlando and Dawn show. Yeah. Um, and on that show, it was the first season, episode 15, and it had uh, Kate Smith and Buddy Ebsen as guests. So that's a kind of right. kind of a throwback in a way episode. And then uh, at, at nine on CBS, you had Canon. Uh, episode was perfect fit for a frame. And then, so what's interesting is the the, the author, the uh, guy that was Canon, Robert Robert, uh, not Conrad. Yeah, okay. but but it was William Conrad. William Con William yeah. Conrad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. people so always get was, that mixed up. Yeah, he was the radio guy for Gunsmoke. Yeah, yeah. So he had a great but, voice. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I was just listening to um, Tales of the Texas Rangers over the weekend. 
which is done in the early fifties. And he was, he was on it again. He did, he did all that stuff. What a, what a, what a wonderful uh, voice actor and, and actor, actor. Yeah. Yeah. And then at uh, 10, there was uh, Mannix and it was uh, an episode, the empty tower. Um... I've been watching Mannix kind of regularly because they have two episodes on a night. I haven't seen this episode yet, but reading the synopsis, it sounded pretty interesting that uh, Mannix is trapped in this uh, empty office building. And I I guess there's some sort of intriguing (laughs) crisis going on or whatever. So did you did you watch Hazel this morning? I did not. All right. Because it was on and and and. uh... (laughs) <laughs> um, of course, um, there was issues between Hazel and 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 the boss, not, not the uh, man boss, uh, Meredith Baxter, Bernie's mother, and ah. uh, and, and she wanted. To, and, and of course, they made up, and everything's wonderful in the land of Hazel. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I only caught the, the very tip. Anyway, yeah, so yeah my, one of, my brother's a big Hazel fan. I've <laughs> seen a few episodes. It's actually pretty witty. There, there was one episode where they. They were getting an estimate on getting their kitchen remodeled and it was it, it could be it, it was just as relevant today where you know the, the inflated prices on stuff and it was just it was kind of funny <laughs> anything over on abc yeah so uh there's a few things that i didn't recognize there was a show called that's my mama uh, no, never heard of it yeah and that, that episode was the hero and then at 8.30, there's a TV movie, The Trial of Chaplain Jensen. Never heard of that. Nor but I recognize the, the name of, of, the, of the entertainer at uh, 10 o'clock. Yeah. My girl, Bill. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, the Jim Stafford show, which, uh, th- yeah, that came up in one of our previous episodes. Yeah. That was episode four of the first season. And the uh, guests were Karen Valentine and Bill Daly. We know Bill Daly from I Dream a Genie. I saw in the paper that Barbara Eden turned 91 yesterday. Wow. Wow. All God right. bless That's her. And, yeah. and she, I, she was one that kind of aged real gracefully i mean she yeah. she always she always looked great yeah and, and karen uh, valentine she was all over tv in the early 70s whatever happened to her yeah i don't, I don't know i remember yeah. you know room 222 yeah yeah no, she she was like i i don't know but when i saw her name in the show notes it says whatever happened to her <laughs> yeah yeah so. and uh so jim stafford performed the uh the hit song my girl bill yeah. in this one yeah. Yeah, and then over on NBC, uh, was Little House on the Prairie already on? I, I guess. Yeah, that's what we had at uh, eight p.m. Yeah, yeah. Lucas Tanner. I, I never heard of that. Yeah, I remember that show. He was he was a teacher at a high school, I believe. And uh, what was interesting in this episode? This was also season one, um, episode twenty-two. Jose Feliciano was on playing himself. So, okay. So a little bit of a. So Ho- Jose Feliciano was also on an episode of Macmillan and Wife once, where he was a tobacco expert, and and he was playing his guitar, and Mac shows up, and, and says, you know, who buys this kind of tobacco? <laughs> he knew exactly what it was. Yeah. You know? And and uh, 
I guess people know wines, I guess. Yeah. Cheeses yeah. and would know blends of, of, of pipe tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. But he was on that. He was, he was, he was good. Yeah. And then at uh, 10 o'clock, Petroselli. I, I remember that, you know, I remember Rico Petroselli. I don't remember. This well, show. well, it's funny. I remember that too. And I believe he, somewhat, he was either a cop or a private eye. The, the thing that was interesting is, yeah, Rico Petroselli, who played for the uh, Red Sox, I think he might have been done by this time or but but close, uh, close. Yeah. i know he played certainly in the 70s yeah. but anyway the the what i do remember is they pronounce this shows uh the guy's name as uh petrocelli and it was almost like oh well, wait a minute what about rico petrocelli <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. What did Rico, what Rico Petroselli, wasn't he a, a shortstop? He was an infielder, yeah. I, I think Before he Jerry Remy and Rick Burleson and right. probably, probably played amongst them with George Scott, you know, but they, you know, the, the Red Sox did go to the World Series this year in 75 and they lost, you know, in yeah. game seven to the Reds, the big red machine. Yeah, that was a, that was a, I remember that World Series though, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hey. I always remember them before it started. It's like, wait till Johnny Bench sees that wall, the green monster, like he was going to hit home runs over it all day. And he, I don't think he even hit a home run in the series, actually. But yeah. have to go back. Yeah. Anyway. But, but, what was it? Kirk Gowdy and uh, Joe Gagieri Zola? Yeah. Garagiola, yeah. Garagiola. Yeah. Remember him selling Plymouths? Yeah. Be $200. Yeah. If you but buy it, a Plymouth. Was, but it was always the interesting story that he grew up across the street from Yogi Berra. They were yes. kids together. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyhow, anything at the Rialto Theater? Yeah, yeah, not a lot, but just a couple things I recognized on August thirteenth, the the land that time forgot, starring Doug McClure, and it's a, that was based on a novel by Edgar Rice Burroughs. And then on, I don't remember that. Is yeah, this... on uh, August 29th, Dog Day Afternoon with uh, Al Pacino, John Cazale, and Charles Durning, and uh, Carol Kane. So I have seen that movie. Um, I, I think I've seen like the beginning of it, and it got really violent. It's it's a, if dis- I remember, it's a it, disturbing movie. Where, yeah, yeah, isn't that where they go in and to, to knock off the bank? It's a, Yeah, it's based on a true story. Yeah, uh yeah. happened in, in in new york city yep yeah so. yeah okay i've seen the beginning of it and it just got too you know. yeah it's a tough movie for sure yeah. but good good performances all around so anyhow uh we get our information from billboard magazine where the charts come from and what the countdown's based on and the websites are allmusic.com songfacts.com and wikia wikipedia.com the books are ranking the 70s by Dan Isabel and Bill Carroll, and of course, American Top 40 with Casey Case in the 70s by Pete Battistini. All right, and now, as Casey would say, on with the countdown. Yeah, so uh, we had these guys in the countdown before. Uh, 
to Tavares or Tavares. <laughs> it, it, it only takes a minute. And uh, Pete, yeah, you had looked up uh, something with an interesting museum that had these guys in it, right? Yeah, so uh, I was poking around stuff about Tavares after they were on last time. And I found this uh, museum called the MMONE.org, which stands for <clears throat> the Music Museum of New England. And of course, Aerosmith is in here and the Boston Pops and Arthur Fiedler. But uh, guess who else is on here is Tavares, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, and Casey was saying how they're from New Bedford and, um, you know, big, uh, there they are. For those of you watching on Channel 18, they're all smiling. I think they're in the back of a big giant car or something in that picture. But uh, very interesting. Uh, I think this is a virtual museum. Uh, they do have uh, walks that you can take around Boston. You can go to the house that Aerosmith lived in. But uh, you know, some of my favorite uh, bands are in here, like NRBQ and uh, uh, Big Al Anderson. And then, you know, other folks that you would know, like... Uh, Arlo Guthrie, because I don't know. It's kind of yeah. interesting. The Pixies. What do you think of it when you're walking around the, uh, the museum? <laughs> yeah, I did. I actually didn't uh, go through it in that great detail, but just uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Just because yeah, you recognize a lot of the a lot of the bands that, and some of them I didn't even know were kind of from around here. Really. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You know how I got here? It was researching the Agora Ballroom. Uh, that, that's that's how it was because they talk about places in the Agora Ballroom and, and, and the yeah. town you live in. Yeah. So uh, real quick about this song, um, it was written and produced by Dennis Lambert and Brian Potter, and um, they wrote some other big hits. They uh, wrote the Four Tops' "Ain't No Woman Like the One I've Got," Colvin's "One Tin Soldier," "The Legend of Billy Jack." And Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds, Don't Pull Your Love Out. Ah, our good, last song. good songwriters. And then Lambert also wrote We Built This City for Starship. Oh, that's the best song ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is a song that uh, I don't think ever was on my radar. Nah. Do you remember either. it? Nah. Uh, this is a glass house by the temptations off their album a song for you in uh, 1975 casey said that these guys are the granddaddy of all hit makers this week they had 43 top 40 records more than any other at this time um, this one got to number 37 and it was written by songwriting team uh, Charlemagne, Motown songwriting team. Yeah, there's an interesting line in this. I don't know if you caught it. It's like, my my girl came home and she caught me with Alice and she threw me out the door. Now, now, now. But the real reason that she was so mad is that she was with Alice before. Say what? <laughs> I think I was just <laughs> singing over it, but... Uh, yeah, and, and this song ends with a great uh, sound of broken glass, which is kind of fitting. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, didn't remember it, but it's got some cool lyrics. So Casey talked about when he was introduced in the episode, how there were seven debuts uh, on this countdown. 
And I believe that um, this is one of them. Um, another song that, that I don't recall. Um, so this is a uh, song is Dream Merchant by New Birth. Yeah. And, and Casey kind of chatted about it. Did you find anything else or do you remember what else he said? Um, I kind of forget. I don't remember what Casey said, but um, yeah, this is a ballad written by Larry Weiss and Jerry Ross. And the song was originally recorded by Jerry Butler in 1967 as Mr. Dream Merchant. Um, the Jerry Butler version reached number 23. This version reached number 36, but it reached number one on the R&B chart. And New Birth had a couple of other top 40 hits. Uh, KG in uh, 1971 hit number 39, and I Can't Understand It hit number 35 in 1973. They have a website, thenewbirth.com, if you want to go. That's MrNewBirth.com to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, interesting how they changed the title there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. All right, so NewBirth.com. When people think of the 70s, this is the in 70s radio. This this is the poster child for for the 70s music. And right next to him is standing the Bee Gees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and particularly like 75. I wasn't surprised at all that this one came out in 75. Yeah. This is a Run Joey Run by uh, David. Is it Gettys? Get yeah, like yeah. Gettys, like Barbara Bell Gettys. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, this one peaked at number four, and it was uh, his biggest hit. Um, he made it into the top forty one other time with the last game of the season. Uh, parentheses, Blind Man in the Bleachers, which went to number eighteen in December of seventy five. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. This song, it's it's kind of basically tells a story of a uh, you know, ill-fated teenage romance. <laughs> I don't know. That's about all I have to say about it. <laughs> So this is another family band that we have to add to our list of family bands. Yeah. And I kind of remember the song after I was listening to the countdown as I was parsing it. And, uh, you know, so this is the Pointer Sisters doing uh, how long, open parentheses, bet you got a chick on one side, close parentheses. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're real sisters, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, the, so this one peaked at number 20 on the pop chart. It's a funky track, and it was the Pointer Sisters' only number one R&B hit, believe it or not. Um, but it was They were so huge in the 80s, right? Isn't yeah. Isn't that where they really made their, their green? Yeah, perhaps. Although, um, they had stuff in the 70s, but yeah. Um, this was co-written by Anita and Bonnie Pointer, sisters, uh, along with David Rubinson. And the song introduced the catchphrase, chick on the side, to, to a mass audience. Um, yeah, how long was the last top 40 pop hit for the Pointer sisters during their quote-unquote nostalgic period? Uh, Ooh, they where, have different periods. Yeah, wow. that this period they used to dress in like 1940s dresses on stage. Um, but after this, they kind of um, 
went more mainstream pop. Yeah. It is pretty funky. Well, this is not. <laughs> yeah. Was this on our episode last time around? You, you know, I swore it was, but it, it was not. It, it's just, again, talk about stuff from the 70s that just you know you think you've heard too many times yeah so it 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 wasn't on our our uh episode number seven that was nine weeks ago uh, right ten weeks since the podcast right um from june 21st 1975 there are one two three four five six seven eight songs that repeat yeah yeah but um i thought for sure unless Unless it's, it was done by someone else in another podcast that we had done. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So this is, of course, Feelings by Morris Albert. Uh, and it, it was described as one of the softest... Yeah, a guy with two first names. Yeah. yeah. And it was described as one of the softest of soft rock songs. <laughs> and this one got to number six. Uh, yeah, the singer's full name is Morris Albert Kaiserman. He was born in Brazil and came to America to study phonology at Columbia University. This is uh, his what, only- What did he study? It's a phonology. P- What's a- phonology? I don't know. <laughs> All right, you keep talking. I'm gonna look up phonology. Yeah, thank you. Uh, All right. So this was his only, uh, excuse me, his only other chart appearance was Sweet Loving Man, which reached number 93 in uh, 1976. And as Casey said, this song became a major hit in Latin America in 1975, where Albert originally recorded it uh, in Portuguese, and it was a bolero-type song. Other people covered this song. Johnny Mathis, Andy Williams, Shirley Bassey, Lynn Anderson, Jim Neighbors, Brenda Lee, Gloria Gaynor, and The Offspring. The list goes on and on. So the word feelings is repeated 23 times in this song. And I remember this from season one of The Bionic Woman, episode seven, The Bionic Beauty from March 17th, 1976. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jamie Summers enters the, quote, Miss United States pageant to uncover its connection to a dead OSI agent. And for the talent portion, she sings this song and she kind of dedicates it to an old friend, which is supposed to be Austin. <laughs> and uh, so the show's composer, Joe Harnell said, quote, Lindsay was a really nice lady, but not much of a singer. We, we recorded all night. We had to do 38 takes to get it right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I can remember my roommate, Bobby, would sometimes when things were going on he'd, he'd break out in feelings i think wow albert and you come around casey stop it um yeah i think it was that yeah um, yeah that song it, there's, there's been a lot of fun made of that song over the years yeah uh, I, oh, haven't, I, I, I haven't heard ahead. it in years too i mean there was a while there where you heard that everywhere yeah so phonology well hold yeah. on a second okay yeah hang on here we go Okay. Biology (laughs) is the study of periodic events and biological life cycles and how these are influenced by seasonal and interannual variations in climate as well as habitat habitat 
factors. Oh, okay. All right, so. and so that's the uh, that's the Wikipedia. Interesting. And the second uh, one is uh, the timing of periodic biological phenomena in relation to climatic conditions. So it, it probably has to do with like when well, the the leaves fall. We'll be raking leaves before you know it. Okay. Yeah. Or you know the azaleas come out and stuff like that. So yeah. You know. So okay. it, you know what it is? It's like studying seasons in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to go on to an, another one of our family friends. Yep, number 34. I did not recognize this one. Yeah, me either. So this is uh, The Proud One, and it's by the Osmonds. Um, apparently, this was originally a hit for Frankie Valley in 1966. Got as high as uh, number 68. This is the highest debuting song in this week's countdown. And this was the Osmond's final appearance in the US Top 40. Uh, oh, wow. Speaking at number 22. This song reached number one in Ireland, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't recall this song. So, nah. so it's the. Uh, you know, the Osmonds, of course, are uh, Mormons, uh, Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And um, when I was looking up the uh, Jehovah Witnesses, I kind of remembered that I think the Jacksons were uh, Jehovah Witnesses. Oh, okay. They only have the mother as as a Jehovah Witness, but I think they all were. But, oh, um, okay. A lot of other famous folks. Uh, Mickey Spillane was also... Huh? A Jehovah Witness, and uh, uh, I found that interesting. But anyhow, you know, I don't remember this song, and uh, go to number three. Well, did you do the research I've been asking you to do on this gentleman for 17 episodes? Since before your sun burned hot in space, and before your race was born, I have awaited a question. Oh my God! Uh, you mean his real name? Yeah. Oh, they did that last episode, no? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh boy. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I I'm sure he'll come some... around again because he's a big part of the seventies. What's What's funny is there's an artist later in the countdown that you asked me to do that, and I did do it. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm gonna make a note right now. <laughs> well. This is a Cat Stevens song, Unmistakable Voice, and I don't remember this song at all. No. Yes. So it's Two Fine People, number 33, on this week of August 23rd, 1975. Yeah, so this one was originally released uh, as a new song off his Greatest Hits album in 1975. Um, Best this... of Bread? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and this one got up one notch higher to number 33. And he would have one more top 40 hit in the 70s with Remember the Days of the Old Schoolyard. Oh, sure. That's a great song. That one got to number 33 in 1977. But yeah, I don't remember this one either. I don't remember this one either. This is by the band that puts three dingoes in the sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise known as Three Dog Night. Yeah. Total I, I, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Till the World Ends, I don't remember it either. It was written by Dave Loggins. Let's Kenny see. Loggins' brother? Ah, uh, I don't know. Is he? I think I he is. Yeah, so Casey said Three Dog Night had a previous top 20 hit with another uh, Loggins written song, uh, Pieces of April. Uh, this was the final top 40 hit for Three Dog Night, and it reached number 32 where it is right now. So Loggins also had his own top 40 hit with uh, Please Come to Boston, which went oh, to yeah. number five in 1974. <laughs> well, and, he's, oh, he's I'm the, sorry, uh, I have it right here. He's the second, second cousin. cousin of yeah, yeah. Kenny Loggins. What, yeah. You're looking at my screen? Uh, no, no, I just got farther <laughs> in my uh, cut and paste here. <laughs> uh, although uh, it says here that they, they had never met professionally until uh, you know, later in their what uh, they they never met at a family reunion. I guess not. But um, so Dave Loggins, one of his most famous musical compositions is Augusta, which he wrote in 1981 while visiting the Augusta National Golf Club. And the following year, CBS began using the song as the theme for its coverage each year of the Masters Golf Tournament. Did they still use it? I don't know. I don't think so. Well. I don't remember any music actually, but well, it was interesting. There was a story in in um, in the Yahoo News that came out about the Fox uh, NFL song, which is dun 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 dun. Maybe I'm thinking of Monday Night Football, and, and it was saying how um, certain certain music that is used as the soundtrack to sports brings back these memories okay yeah and one of them was a song for the masters yeah ah. and i didn't i didn't put two and two together but uh yeah i i should have gone off and trying to try to find it or listen yeah. to it but uh, maybe i'll put a, some a link in the show notes for that but uh i always think of the you remember the nfl films particularly in the 70s they oh yeah used, they Heavy D to, has, a, has the whole uh lp i always loved songs. the you know heavy you, heavy something well i like the what do you do with a drunken sailor? You know, yeah. Well, these gentlemen were uh, on our previous uh, episode from June 21st, 1975, with Sister Golden Hair. Yeah. And so here is America. I think they were still a trio then before one of them left. Yeah. What's, what's your history with America? Yeah, so this is uh, Daisy Jane off their album Hearts in 1975. I don't really remember this one. It got to number 20. America would have one more top 40 hit in the 70s with Today's the Day in 1976. And of course, they had a hit, a hit in 1982 with uh, You Can Do Magic. Big song. Went to number yep. eight. Yeah. yeah. Actually, now that I'm hearing it, I kind of do remember this a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is uh, the soundtrack of of uh, shopping. <laughs> yeah. And this is. I, I, you gotta help me out here, man. Yeah. So this is a solitaire by the Carpenters, and uh, so. 
Casey was saying how at, at this point the Carpenters are the most successful brother and sister act of all time. Uh, within five years, they had 14 consecutive top 20 hits. And Casey said, it looks like they're headed for number 15. And, and he was right. This one went to number 17. This one's written by Neil Sadaka. And he wrote this one with uh, Philip Cody, who collaborated uh, with Sadaka on his uh, comeback hits, Laughter in the Rain and Bad Blood. And Neil Sadaka actually recorded this song in 1974, but it was the Carpenters who had the big hit with it, and it made, made it one of Sadaka's most successful compositions. And uh, Neil had to push for this song as his publisher, Don Kirshner, didn't yeah. think much of it. Andy Williams' version of this song was a number four hit in the UK in 1973, two years before this. And um, there was a completely different song called Solitaire that was a hit for Laura Branigan in 1983. Yeah. So that was a lot, <laughs> but it cool. kind of interesting with Neil Sedaka. Well, for some reason to me, Neil Sedaka and Paul Anka are like the same guy, <laughs> all right? And here's Paul Anka with uh, Odaya Coates. Interesting story that uh, Casey was talking about. The last time they, they did a duet, it was um, um, shown as a, as a different type of relationship between Paul and Odea. You know, I think it was featuring Odea. Yeah, yeah. So, but she's got a great voice when she when she kicks it in right about here. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is, uh, I believe there's nothing stronger than Our Love by Paul Anka with uh, Odia Coates or uh, off the album Feelings in 1975, which I, Feelings. I, right, and I went and looked and it doesn't have a cover of the song Feelings on it. So it's kind of coincidental. So this one got to number 15. Um, and, uh, I, I went to look up, uh, yeah, uh, Odaya Coates, and uh, she was an American singer best known for her uh, high-profile hits with Paul Anka. She's best remembered for her duet with Paul Anka, You're Having My Baby, that went to oh, number yeah. one in 1974. And the two recorded several more top 10 and top 20 hits, including One Man Woman, One Woman Man in 1975, and I Don't Like to Sleep Alone. She had a minor success as a solo artist and unfortunately she passed away in 1991 only at the age of 49. Ooh. Paul Anka's still with us he's 81 best known for his signature hit songs including Diana, Lonely Boy, Put Your Head on My Shoulder and of course You're Having My Baby and he also wrote the theme for The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson which I didn't know. Oh, and, you didn't uh, know that? No, nah, no. Nah. Oh my goodness where have you been? Yeah and he uh, also wrote uh um, the song that Kodak used. Which was what? Uh, uh, which was the Kodak song. Oh, Remember the Times of Your Life? Or? Yeah, Remember the Times of Your Life. Yeah. Oh, not only that, he wrote She's a Lady for Tom Jones. And then, so, uh, of course, Frank Sinatra's signature song, too. My yeah, Way. My Way. So, Paul Anka. I think we might have said this at a previous uh, podcast. He won the college we went to wanted to become a you know big in uh, formula one in division one <laughs> basketball they would go to the big giant uh uh stadium in the in, in the downtown 
One time they had the Beach Boys after the basketball game. Another time they had the alumnus, one of the most famous alumnus from where we went, uh, Dionne Warwick, the, the, the ah. psychic hawk line lady. She yeah. was there. Yeah. And one time was Paul Anka. Okay. Ah. And so he was talking about his family, his kids. And then in the back, they had the big giant screen. All right. And when he did the Kodak song, they had all the pictures of his wife and his kids. Ah. It was, it was, it was, it was nice. I think those were the three shows that I went to. And then now I think the, they're getting out of that racket. It took them 35 years to get to the tournament and they said enough's enough. Yeah. So. Yeah. And of course, um, you mentioned Kojak earlier. Uh, Paul Anka was uh, did some, oh, yeah. did some acting, and he was on uh, the Kojak season two, episode fourteen, "The Betrayal" in 1974. And that was a good episode. I, that I was pretty that good. One. Yeah, yeah it, that was good. And and boy, you know, Paul Anka played, you know, played a, a, a shyster. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Played him well. Yeah. Nice. I, I think I have a little bit of of. of you know, Paul Anka, you know, I, I think he's nice. Yeah. yeah, talented songwriter, I mean. Yep. <laughs> now, we go from a guy who was kind of known in the 70s as a as a singer to the, one of the biggest, a song about one of the biggest people of the 20th century. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know every word to this song. Catch me if you can. Yeah, this brought a smile to my face to hear. Oh, this. without a doubt. Yeah. Yep. So this is a uh, Black Superman slash Muhammad Ali by Johnny Wakelin and the Kinshasa Band. Um, off the album titled uh, the same Black Superman Muhammad Ali so Casey said here's a song dedicated to the most widely recognizable personality in the world today absolutely Muhammad yep. Ali. and uh, this guy uh, Johnny uh, Wakelin was a English songwriter don't you know <laughs> and this one got to number 21 it's a reggae version of uh, Wakelin's song Hungarian Superman Joe Bugner, an homage to the Hungarian-born British-Australian boxer by that name. So I didn't realize that. (laughs) And the lyrics were modified to pay tribute to Muhammad Ali. Yeah. He was, you know, growing up (laughs) in the 70s, even though I was young and I didn't understand boxing. Yeah. You know, there was Muhammad Ali, there was Evil Knievel, there was Joe Namath. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, of course, yeah, I had the older brothers, so the, the three uh, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier fights, including, yeah. including the Thrilla in Manila. Right. Um, and, but the I, Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah. But listening to this song, you know what? This song perfectly captures that, that persona that Muhammad Ali had in the 70s. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and oh, one other thing. You remember that podcast you sent me about the um, was it about the D. Martin roast specifically, or they just mentioned that in there? But no, no, it was the Gabe Kaplan 
Gabe Kaplan, uh, who was interviewed by the guy that does the Johnny Carson podcast. Right. But yeah. he talked about Muhammad Ali ad-libbing, you know, going off script at the Dean Martin roast. And he did 15 minutes and he was absolutely fantastic. And the show didn't use it because oh, no. it was all scripted. And I could believe it. Muhammad Ali, he had that gift of, uh, you yeah. know, you could just keep going and going in front of the camera. Yeah. It was funny, though. He said Ali was like, he started bragging on the writing. He's like, I don't want to put down, you know, this nice lady, Phyllis Diller. Come on. Catch me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quite a, quite a character. Now here's Paul Anka's cousin, Neil Sedaka, maybe second cousin, like Dave Loggins and Kenny Loggins. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't remember this, this one. Um, uh, I, yeah, I don't either, and I, I didn't have much on it. So this is a that's when the music takes me by uh, Neil Sedaka off his album Solitaire. Um, yeah, so this was uh, written and recorded by Neil originally in 1972, but he released it in 1975, and it peaked right here at number 27. You know what though? As I listen to this, if you had told me Carol King wrote this. I kind well, of believe buddies. it. Yeah, yeah it sounds buddies. like her. It does. Yeah. Wow. It was nice having our rendezvous last Friday when we played golf. <laughs> yeah. I stunk it up. All right. <laughs> I was the worst of the worst. I, I, I wasn't guys. very good either. I, uh, the, the, the putting was awful. <laughs> was like, uh, my putting was good. I couldn't. Yeah, you putted well, actually. That, well, you yeah. contributed. There you go. I mean, yeah. we, we had no chance of winning, as I said. So it was yeah. just a lot of fun. But this is the Hudson Brothers doing rendezvous. Yeah. This this didn't. It wasn't even the back of my brain. I. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. um you know, the Hudson brothers, Bill, Matt, and Brett, uh, as Casey said, they were all three of them graduates of uh, Portland, Oregon's Cleveland High. <laughs> and this was co-written by Bruce Johnston, who uh, toured we with We talked the about Beach last Boys. week. Yeah. 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 And, who who uh, did the song that uh, <clears throat> you didn't know that he was in the Beach Boys, that uh, B.J. Thomas did, Don't Worry Baby. Right. Cover. Yeah. And he also wrote I Write the Songs, which was recorded by... Uh, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow, yeah. And it was also recorded by Captain and Tennille. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Captain Beefheart. Yeah. <laughs> and the Hudson Brothers were discovered by a record producer while recording music at a local studio, and they were offered a recording contract. And after releasing a few rock singles in the late 60s, garnered fame as teen idols in the 70s because they had a primetime series that debuted in the summer as a replacement for the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour in 1974. And uh, that resulted uh, popularity led to their Saturday morning half-hour sketch comedy series for CBS, the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show, which ran in uh, 74 and 75. Bill Hudson dated... It's like you're making this stuff up. I would have never known any of this stuff. Really? You you don't remember that? The Hudson Brothers? No, I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah, I do remember that, yeah. And then Bill Hudson dated actress Jill St. John, and then a year later became involved with Goldie Hawn, and they married in 1976. 
they got divorced in 1980, but they had children, Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson, who both became actors. He also was involved with Allie McGraw, and he married Cindy Williams of Laverne and Shirley. And they have two children together. So oh my he was gosh. Quite, quite the man about Hollywood, I would say. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm out of breath after all that. I'll take a break with this. <laughs> What is Tush? <laughs> well, we'll get to it, right? So, yeah. Tush or Tush? Uh, well, I, you know, Billy Gibbons just said Tush. Yeah. Just, I ain't uh, asking for much. I'm just looking for some Tush. Yeah. This you'll hear on Classic Rock with Bax and O'Brien or Yeah. Yeah. So this is, of course, ZZ Top off of Bandango in 1975. This one went to number 20, and in an interview with Spin Magazine, bass player Dusty Hill explained, Tush, where I grew up, had two meanings. It meant what it means in New York, and Tush is also something that is plush, very lavish, or very luxurious. And then, of course, there's Tushy in Yiddish means buttocks. <laughs> so, Dusty Hill said that... Uh, well, that's this, New York. Yeah, this... Yeah. Uh, Tush is the same as the Yiddish word. And uh, okay. he, he said, I don't know how that got to Dallas, Texas, but it could have come from a guy moving down there from New York. <laughs> and uh, of course, yeah, this song has different meanings depending on the listener's interpretation. <laughs> well, great, great song. Yeah. Too soon? Um... Nah, nah, we're fine. Let's let's move on to number 24 here. David Bowie. And written with Carlos Olimar. Yeah. Young Americans LP. And uh, his buddy John Lennon's on this. And uh, I'm a big Bowie fan. I have this Young Americans LP in my collection. And uh, Carlos Alomar was, when I saw David Bowie for the first time in 1983, was a music director for, uh, for that tour. Still with us. Yeah, so this was David Bowie's first number one single on both the U.S. pop chart and the Canadian singles chart. And it was one of the more successful singles of the year, ranking at number seven at the, the end of 1975. Uh, in one of David Bowie's first U.S. TV appearances, he performed this on The Share Show in 1975. Didn't he uh, do this also on on um, the Don Cornelius show? You know, that sounds familiar. I, I didn't, didn't look that up. On, uh, the Soul, Soul Train. Train. Yeah. But he was on Soul Train, if I recall. Yeah. 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 I'll look that up and uh, put it in the show notes if, uh, if he was. The, the word fame is repeated 23 times in this. <laughs> like feelings. Exactly the, the same <laughs> amount as feelings, yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, unfortunately, David Bowie passed away in uh, January of uh, 2016 at the age of 69. Great song. Did you ever have to go to um, Rockford? Uh, no. Mm -hmm. I, 
I somehow, uh, a couple times I was supposed to, and then for whatever reason, didn't go. So, how about you? Yeah. Yeah. I've been out there probably a dozen years. So, uh, anyhow, this is the Rockford Files by, by Mike Post. It was number 39 nine weeks ago, uh, uh, last time. So it's, uh, it was, uh, it was a big dropper, if I remember what, uh, uh, dropped seven points this week from last yeah. time. And, uh, you know, Mike Post, TV guy, he did uh, the Hill Street Blues song, a bunch of other stuff, if I remember. Yeah, Magnum P.I. Yeah, we talked about it in the, in the last yeah. episode. He also uh, produced some hit songs, uh, just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in, and also classical gas. You know what I'm not going to do this time is say, oh, this is the cover. Who did it? This is the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cover. Okay. Done by Johnny Rivers, who was on our countdown last week. Right? Right. Yeah. So help me, Rhonda. And um, so, yeah, this was the guy that I think last week you questioned what his real name is. And I did look him up. And he's uh, John Henry Ramastella. Ramastella? Ramastella. Yeah. yeah, and of course this Beach Boys hit went to number one in 1965, and uh, Brian Wilson sang backup on on this version here. So, and and we talked about Johnny Rivers last episode, how he was a successful performer, songwriter, and record producer record and record producer. label executive. Yeah, yeah. And this one is off his own label, uh, Soul City, and it peaked right here at number 22. And uh, Casey I mean, said, if, "If you want to, if you want to get on the charts, you know what you do. You cover the Beatles, or you cover the Beach Boys. Yeah, or a Motown hit from the 60s. Or Motown hit. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. So Casey said, during the past eleven years, Rivers has twenty-six chart hits, and fifteen of those were remakes. So there you go. And uh, Rivers' only number one song was from 1966 with, uh, he co-wrote it with Lou Adler, The the Poor Side of Town. I do, I do remember that. I do remember that yeah. too. He's still with us, he's 79 years old. Well, that was two, two. So that means we're going on to. Oh, one other thing about this song. Um, oh. It's quite repetitive. We talked about feelings and uh, okay, fame. How many times they say Rhonda? Yeah, so in this one, uh, I got it written <laughs> down here. Um, Get her out of my heart appears five times. Help me, Rhonda. Help, help, help me, Rhonda appears 18 times. And the song's title appears 41 times. So, uh, and help me appears 43 times. So. <laughs> Um, I sort of remember the song. Yeah. All right. I don't remember the the, the band, the amazing rhythm ace. It sounds like a backup band for someone in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a third rate romance, and this was uh, yeah, it was written by the, the band's guitarist Russell Smith and. 
was originally performed by the band in 1975 on their debut album, The Stack Deck. This one got to number 14, and uh, country artist Sammy Kershaw took a cover of this song to number two on the country chart in 1994. I think that's the one I'm remembering. Yeah. Even though I'm not a country guy, but I can Yeah, imagine. it sounded familiar to me, but same thing. It's like I didn't, yeah. didn't recognize the artist. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing you do. You cover this guy. We're counting down the most popular songs in the country from Kodiak to Kokomo, from Hartford to Honolulu. Billboard's number 20. Peter. Oh. <laughs> so the beginning of this song reminds me of the Dead Milkman record. I just remembered it uh, uh, where they, they say the same kind of stuff. I think uh, there's a big lizard in my backyard, that uh, that LP that has Bitch and Camaro on it. Are you a big fan of the Dead Milkman? Uh, I've hardly heard of them now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So this is, yeah, Ballroom Blitz by Sweet off their album Blockbuster uh, in uh, 1973, actually. So this one got to number five, and it was uh, written by Nikki Chin and Mike Chapman, who wrote many glam rock hits like this one. They also wrote Sweet's uh, Blockbuster. Susie Quattro's Devil Gate Drive and Tony Basil's Mickey. Although Chapman denies it, Apparently, the band Sweet uh, had like a bad performance at a, a venue, and they had beer bottles thrown at them on stage. Which is interesting because earlier in the countdown with the ZZ Top song, Casey was talking about how uh, I forget which member of ZZ Top said, you know, to try to make it in the music business was tough in Texas because they played in places that had chicken wire around the stage because people yeah, would throw We all learned about that in the Blues Brothers movie. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'd never yeah. seen it before until then, so. Yeah, yeah, with the, the good old Blues the Brothers good old boys. Blues Boys Brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this, uh, this song was uh, featured in the film uh, Wayne's World, where uh, Wayne's love interest, uh, Tia Carrere, performs the song with her band Crucial Taunt. And as Wayne says, they wail. <laughs> I wonder how many people called up the radio station requested, can you play that song, Hearts of Fire, please? Yeah. Yeah, I would never know that the name of this song is That's the Way of the World, unless I saw it written down on the record. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, uh, this is by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, off the album uh, titled the same, That's the Way of the World. And so this one um, reached number five, and Casey said their last hit was Shining Star that went to number one. Right. It was and, number 29 in our chart 10 weeks ago. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so brothers uh, Maurice and uh, Verdine White wrote this song with their producer, Charles Stephanie. But this I didn't know. This song was written for the low-budget movie of the same name. 
about corruption of a record label. And I'm going to put a link to the uh, trailer for that movie in the show notes. Uh, but uh, yeah, this one has uh, great lyrics. I, I love that line, you know, child is born with a heart of gold. The way of the world makes his heart so cold. And if you look way down in your heart and soul, I should just let him sing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I'm going to read to you the... <laughs> yeah, but go look up the lyrics. They're, they're great. They're uplifting. And, uh, you know, they talk about uh, stay young at heart because you're never, never, never old. And uh, great, nice guitar solo right here. And also, uh, Gail and I used to joke about the, you know, that's the way, yow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so uh, Pentatonix and Stevie Wonder performed an acapella version of the song at the Grammy Awards in 2016 to honor Maurice White, who died two months earlier. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. is ambrosia isn't it like some sort of aphrodisiac or something hey good question either that isn't there like a uh, a beverage also uh, and then and then some kind of dessert right i, I don't know I, I think it's got a got several meanings yeah well i'll look it up while you chit chat all right so this is uh holding on to yesterday by Ambrosia off of the album Ambrosia in 1975. Uh, this one went one more notch to number 17 and it's about missing an ex-wife and Casey said Ambrosia was a four-man group formed in 1970. Ambrosia had uh, five top 40 hit singles released between 1975 and 1980 including how much I feel, which went to number three in '78, oh, yeah. and Big the song. biggest, biggest part of me at number 33 in 1980. Top 20 hits. You're the only woman. Went to number 13 in 1980. And on December 2nd, 1976, Ambrosia performed at the Civic Center in Hartford, Connecticut. And I will tell you that I would have liked to have gone to that show because who also performed with them was Dave Mason and Rory Gallagher. Rory Gallagher, yeah. <laughs> so ambrosia is the food or drink of the Greek gods, often depicted as conferring longevity or immortality upon whoever consumes it. It's brought to the gods in Olympus by doves and served either by Hebe or Ganymede in the Heavenly Feast. I'm not into Greek mythology. Alright, this song sucks. <laughs> you want me to talk about it? <laughs> Uh, it, it did go to number 10, and it became Bad Company's second top hit in the U.S. following their uh, debut release, Can't Get Enough. And, uh, I, I'm just not a Paul Rogers. Yeah. 
because I'm a radioactive. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people love this guy, but I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not into, you know, I do like silver, blue, and gold. I think I talked about that in a previous podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So I will talk about this though. The, um, so the band Bad Company, if you ever get this trivia question is name, name a band that also has an album and a song that and their band name is all the same. And there's Bad Company off of Bad Company by Bad Company. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you brought that to work a number of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Dave K actually told me that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Special K? Uh, no, Dave K. Oh, Dave K. He might be all a right. Special K, too. But... Yeah. Under yeah. number 16. Yeah. Days and waste So we talked about Freddie in a previous episode, and I saw him as part of the Texas Tornadoes in the Bumbershoot 20 years ago. Yeah, um, in, so this is, yeah, Wasted Days and Wasted Nights by Freddie Fender. Um, is that his real name? <laughs> Another one I should probably look up. Oh, no, wait, wait, I do have it here. It is not. <laughs> his, his, his real name is Baldemar Garza Huerta. <laughs> Say that fast with peanut butter in your mouth. Yeah. And um, let's see. He also had a big hit uh, in 1975 with Before the Next Teardrop yeah. Falls. Yeah. That was, that was a big one. Yeah. And that kind of made this song possible. He had actually uh, recorded this one a while back. And then they re-recorded it after he had the hit with uh, Before the Next Teardrop Falls. Um, he unfortunately passed away uh, in 2006 at the age of 69. <laughs> Do you know anyone named Barry? Well, I mean, I can think of entertainers, but I'm trying to think of, didn't we work with a Barry? Uh, I don't know. Well, there was Barry Sacco, who owned Leader's Department Store in the town I grew up in. Yeah. Who's from the same tribe as <laughs> Barry Manilow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, I, but, just, uh, I just thought of, uh, you know, Barry Williams, who we couldn't think of. <laughs> yeah. Before, and I also from the tribe, yeah. Barry Bostwick, yeah. Barry Bonds, <laughs> Barry Bonds. Yeah. Okay, the, the baseball player. Yeah. So I, I just I, I saw you know Barry's name. Is that his real name? <laughs> I'm gonna have to create a separate column for the real <laughs> names because <laughs> I mean, but Barry Manilow, he's he's got to be one of the biggest entertainers of the past fifty years. Um, yeah. And. Uh, you know, he has his residencies out in uh, out in uh, Las Vegas. I, I've never seen him, but, but I do remember being stuck in traffic one time in the big city where Ambro at the, near the theater that uh, Ambrosia played with uh, Rory Gallagher. <laughs> and, and the gridlock was because of the Barry Manilow concert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, 
people people love Barry Manilow. You know, my neighbors like the song Mandy so much they they back in the seventies named their dog after uh, Mandy, not Brandy. Yeah. Um. So. Ah. Uh, uh, you know. Yeah. Barry's nice. This did he write this song or did, did um, is this someone else's tune? Um. So this is uh, we didn't mention the title. It's uh, could could it be magic? And um, it was by the lyrics are by Adrian Anderson and and Barry wrote the music, but it's okay. supposed to be inspired by Friedrich Chopin's Prelude in C Minor, Opus Twenty Eight, Number Twenty. So Chopin, of course, a famous Polish composer. They hit the. Uh, Polish national home that I like to go to uh, the pub. They have a Chopin ballroom. So, uh, but yeah, well, this Barry one... Manilow's born name is Barry Allen Kinkus, P-I-N-C-U-S. Yeah, he's he just had a birthday. He'll be 80 years old next year. Wow. Yeah. So this song got to number six. Um, I don't really remember this one though. oh i remember this song yeah because yeah. right now we're he's like you better get over here now you yeah. come come <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah I, I do remember it well this was on our last chart uh nine weeks ago june 21st 1975 at number 22 so it's gotten all the way up to number two and now it's finding its way down uh last week it was at uh, number 15. Yes. 10 cc yeah i'm not in love and we we talked about the last time that the, the part where the there's the whisper it's it's yeah, yeah. done by the secretary from uh, the strawberry studios where it was recorded Everyone knows this song. Yeah. <laughs> and even we're watching uh, the Frasier and uh, and the ex-wife came to Seattle and uh, and she found a letter that had fallen behind a, a, uh, a counter or something. And, you know, she thought that it was for them to come back together again. And... And she says, that's very nice, except you really ripped off the captain and Tennille. <laughs> so I don't know. If you... uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and it's funny, at, at trivia last night, uh, they asked uh, a, a question about, oh, a, a former, you know, keyboard player uh, for the Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. It's... Was, uh, you know was a part of a duo in the 70s and of course that was one of the few questions we got right <laughs> yeah what was what was nice was casey was talking about this and how uh Tennille, tony Tennille was a backup singer for the uh for the beach boys with daryl dragon and how she had a hard time getting on the stage she had to go through like you know they had to call mike love over you know oh yeah come on in or al jardine yeah come on she's okay even yeah. though she's not a boy she's part of the band you know yeah and they, they, they were very successful and, you know, working with the Beach Boys, I, you know, I, I got to, even though the song was grounded to the carpet, I think it's still a great song because Neil Sedaka wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Daryl Dragon, unfortunately, he, he passed away in 2019. He was 76, but Tony Tennille's still with us. She, she is 82 years old. 
So, yeah, maybe she can date uh, Barry Manilow. Yeah. <laughs> This song was number 32 on our last countdown from June 21st, 1975. Yeah, um, it would it would get to number six. And uh, this one was uh, co-written by Melissa Manchester and uh, Carol Bayer Sayer. And uh, yeah, this is Midnight Blue. Melissa, she's still with us. She's 71. So she was quite young. Did she do your Poseidon Adventure song? No, no, that's Maureen McGovern. Yeah, yeah. Wait, did we talk about that before? Yeah, we, we did. I always yeah. mix them up. Yeah. And then there's there's uh, Maureen McCormick. Yeah. And then Sher Sherman Hemsley and the. <laughs> Peter Benchley. Peter Benchley. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> All right, so this is Fight the some, Power. About time we had some funk. Yeah, yeah, Fight the Power, part one by the Isley Brothers. And Casey talked about a goof he made. Error, flaw, imperfection, must sterilize. Where he said, uh, you know, a few weeks back that uh, the Miracles were the group that... Uh, we're hitting the charts the longest in the rock era at 16 years, but then uh, he was corrected by the general manager of a radio station in South Carolina who wrote him a nice letter and told him, no, the Isley Brothers released the song Shout September 27th, 1959, which was two weeks before the Miracles released their first hit. I can, I can read that letter now. No, you big dummy. Yeah. <laughs> so this <laughs> song sure is uh, this song is notable for the usage of the word that I'll abbreviate here as BS. Um, the song was written almost fully by Ernie Isley with the additional uh, instrumental background composition by the band's keyboardist, Chris Jasper. This was a number one R&B single and it reached number four on the pop chart. And uh, the success of this song also helped the album, The Heat Is On, to reach number one on the pop chart. Uh, oh, wow. Yep. And the song. I, I bet this has been uh, sampled. Sampled. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say scam. Yeah. yeah no, I was. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I was just going to say the song's lyric We got uh, we got to fight the powers that be um, would be, quote unquote, interpolated years later by the rap group public enemy public enemy 1989 yeah. song of the same name so but I, i'm just thinking of, the, of that background music that bass line yeah yeah well this was number 34 10 weeks ago or nine weeks ago yeah the first 1975 and uh got all the way up to number three and it's finding its way down right now and uh, we talked about uh, Olivia Newton-John and how she passed away in last week's uh, episode number 16, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this is Please, Mr. Please. And, um, you know, Casey said before he introduced the song that uh, uh, with this song, uh, Olivia Newton-John had topped herself because the song uh, is in its eighth consecutive week in the top 10. Uh, beating her previous uh, previous song in the top 10, which I didn't have written down here. But yeah, you know, she, she was huge at this time. 
you know? Yeah. And then she and got bigger. Even bigger. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. B17. <laughs> I didn't notice that. What do you mean B17? So B17 was the song on the jukebox in Please Mr. Please. And now we're hitting the song at 17. Janiceans. Oh, wow. Maybe you can make them your most divergent songs of the week. Yeah. You're so uh, clever. You, could, you, you actually are one of the most clever people I know. I don't think so. <laughs> you don't know many people, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> uh, so, coincidentally, too, this is episode 17. So, is yeah. this the theme song for this episode? Yeah, maybe we should call this... Uh, uh, I learned the truth at seventeen. I learned the truth at seventeen. That's episode. Where my, where the, all the songs that you, all the titles you had here. Can we fix one up? How long? It only takes seventeen minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this one got to number three, and in a interview with Song Facts, Janice Ian said she explained that this song is about feeling alienated while growing up. It was more about my life at the ages of 12 to 14, but 17 fit better into the lyrics. She was only 15 when she had her first hit song, Society's Child, and had been on the road for years by the time she was 17. So getting this song on the radio was not an easy task. Not only was it packed with lyrics, but at three minutes, 56 seconds, it was about a minute longer than most songs the radio stations were playing at that time. And Janice and her management decided to market it to women. And because radio stations were dominated by men, they had to get creative. So they sent copies of the song to program directors' wives. And then they put Janice on every daytime TV show they could. And it was six months of, you know, grueling promotion, which paid off when they got a spot on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And that pushed the song over the top and it became a hit. So that was very interesting. And uh, yeah, she was nominated for five Grammy Awards, the most any female artist had ever been nominated uh, for at the time. And it won for Best Female Pop Vocal. And she performed this song on the first episode of Saturday Night Live in 1975. So one other thing, the song was used in The Simpsons twice to hilarious effect in one skit the, the family's watching the Miss America pageant on TV and the contestants come out and start singing this song. <laughs> and the state costumes are spectacular. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Well, it's interesting uh, to talk about Johnny Carson. So on August 22nd, 1975, Joey Bishop was the guest host okay. on The Tonight Show and Bob Hope and Carl Gottlieb were the... Uh, uh, with the uh, yes. guests, along with Scatman Crothers, who I guess did a song and dance. And then on Monday, Bill Cosby was the host, and Dub Taylor, who I don't remember, was. Uh, do you know who Dub Taylor was? And then this, no. this people singing John Towney. So, of course, you know, it's August, and Johnny Carson never worked in August. Yeah. <laughs> well, nothing to those Eastern lights. Muggy nights, the curtains drawn in the little room down 
So, <clears throat> last time, Philadelphia uh, Freedom by this artist was number 18. Yep, so, yeah, this is, of course, Elton John, and this is uh, Someone Saved My Life Tonight. And during the, uh, I think it was uh, John, not Johnny Carson, <laughs> Casey Kasem. <laughs> He talked about in the song, he mentions the lads in golden black, which is the soccer team, or as Americans know, soccer over there is football, football. for our, our uh, listeners overseas, uh, for the Rockford Caribou. Yeah. Caribou. Is it Caribou or Caribou? Yeah, uh, I don't know. You didn't listen to Case? I did, Casey? but I don't remember wit? how he pronounced that. Yeah. I think I wrote it as Caribou. It should be Caribou. I think it's Caribou, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because Rockford Files. Oh, yeah. Rockford Caribou. We, we got all uh -huh. kinds of stuff in this countdown mixed yeah, together. At, yeah. At 17. Yeah, yeah. This one uh, got to number four, and the, the song deals with the time in Elton's life when he was about to get married to a woman named Linda Woodrow. And he thought it would have been a big mistake. And so he said, I was going to get married once when I was younger. And I went out and got drunk with Long John Baldry and Bernie. And, and John said, I, I shouldn't get married. So that's how this song got made. And uh, Sugar Bear in the lyrics refers to Long John Baldry, and, uh, who recalls, apparently I gave Elton some very good advice when he was in a pickle. And he wrote a song about it, but I still can't figure out what the song is about. <laughs> and uh, Bernie Toppin, who wrote the lyrics to the song, explained, it tells the story that actually happened. The woman, Linda Woodrow, ended up moving to America and she, she got married and had three children. She harbors no ill feelings toward Elton John, but was a little tweaked about uh, Toppin's lyric, uh, you know, about hog tying Elton, I guess. But. Um, 50 years later, Linda Woodrow was a manager of a doctor's office in Dallas going by the name of Linda Hannon. Her hours had been cut due to COVID and she needed knee replacement but couldn't afford to take five weeks off work to recuperate. Elton John heard about it and he immediately offered to help her out in her hour of need. So that's pretty nice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. How sweet. <laughs> well, this is a cover. Yeah, it's a, it's a cover. This is a Smokey Robinson and the Miracles cover, right? Yep, and it's a Holland Dozier and Holland song. And, yeah, and also uh, Marvin Gaye took it to number six in 1964. Yeah, uh, so it's a great song. Yeah, right? and uh, done by. Um, not John Taylor. He was in Duran Duran. Um, and not not Livingston Taylor, his brother. Yeah. yeah. What's this guy's name? Oh, James Taylor. Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so his version hit number five. And it uh, was also recorded by Junior Walker and the All-Stars, uh, whose version hit number 15 in, in 1966. So that's a testament to a good song when it can be covered by multiple artists and, and hit the charts for sure. I, I just remembered um, a couple days ago, and this is a perfect place to bring it in. 
where you talk about the Miami Vice syndrome. Okay, have you yep. talked about the Miami Vice syndrome on on, uh, on the podcast? Uh, I don't know if we have or not, but I'll, I'll refresh people's memories. And I, I call it that because at the time Miami Vice was on, everybody was saying how great the show was, and and I always thought it was just like oh something becomes popular and just it's like everybody has to like it and i i there's a few local pizza places uh, in our state that people say are great and i don't think they're that great so i call that that syndrome yeah yeah so i think james taylor in a lot of ways i mean I, I, he's very successful but some of the stuff he, i mean this is a great song and i think there's a very nice job with it but there's other stuff which is just um not my favorite and I think a lot of people like it because you're supposed to like just like you're supposed to like Miami Vice and Starbucks coffee yeah Pepe's pizza yeah so. <laughs> well, well we've lost a whole bunch of people now <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna make a list of like all the people we've lost his fans Eagles fans Pepe's pizza fans <laughs> But we've gained oh. some Rory Gallagher fans. <laughs> that, that, that's right. So, you know what? But maybe we need some more friends. This was number 30 nine weeks ago on June 21st, 1975. Yeah. It was... Uh, Number 30, like I said, and uh, it's been on the chart 13 weeks. Last week was number five, now it's number six, so it's kind of fallen. Yeah, so I was wondering, I, I didn't contact you early enough, but this could have potentially been a sponsor because I read that in 2005, Sirius XM Radio used this in commercials to promote Major League Baseball broadcasts. The idea was that fans for different teams could still get along as they could listen to the games anywhere. Oh, I, I kind of remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't remember the last time I listened to any A baseball Major game. League baseball. I mean, and it's on the Red Sox are on the big giant radio station in the area here. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to listen to them all the time. And I think I've said this at a previous podcast. And after they won the World Series back in, was that 2004? So 2004 was the first year. Yeah. Yeah. It's like ever since then, I'm done. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I sort of understand that. Uh, for me as well, you know, my parents were big Red Sox fans, but, you know, now that they're gone, it's uh, I don't follow them that much either. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, I listened to the sports report on that same big giant radio station this morning by the guy that used to be on CNBC, the new host in the morning. Oh. And uh, I guess last night, Jackie Bradley Jr., who was a fixture in the Red Sox for many years, he got released and now he's playing for Toronto. And he got like, two home runs and destroyed them. So, you know, they survived after getting rid of Nomar. You know? <laughs> but they're in last place. They stink this year. Yeah. I've been walking these streets this was number 38 in our last episode. Um, yeah. It's peaking right now. I don't know if it went any higher, but it's been on the chart Hot 100 for 13 weeks. Yeah, yeah. It actually... Um 
hit number one on the pop, country, and adult contemporary charts in the summer of 75, becoming the first song since Big Bad John by Jimmy to reach the apex of all three charts. So it's the Rhinestone Cowboy by Glenn Campbell. And uh, as you said, it was on our previous episode. Good song. Yep. Where the lights are shining on me, like a rhinestone cowboy. Yeah, I also I read that with karaoke. I also read that this was uh, for Glenn Campbell, even though he didn't write it. It was sort of autobiographical of uh, his sort of journey from you know being a musician and then uh, you know studio session musician and then and then finally making it. Uh, you know, I think he was like thirty when he finally started making it as a solo artist. So. Well, you know, his parents were dirt farmers in Arkansas. Yeah. He, he was able to buy them a house across the street from, from the dirt farm. Number four. So this is another one where the title's uh, repeated quite a few times. <laughs> this is uh, Jack Talkin' by the Bee Gees off their album Main Course in 1975. And uh, Barry Gibbs sings the lead on this uh, song and he's taking out his frustrations on Jive Talkin' women telling them lies. Uh, she treats them cruel like a dumbstruck fool and he's sick of it. So, uh, he wrote the song with his brothers, Robin and Maurice, and uh, this one got to number one. In my opinion, this is kind of a decent BG song. Um, and uh, this was the first big disco hit for them, and it hit number one on uh, August 9th, 1975, four years and two days after the previous chart topper, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart, which, which we, we had in a previous yeah. episode. Yeah. So, if I recall, my muscle memory about this song is that the, this, the, the, the shuffle or the beat of this is they, they did all the recording in Miami and they would go over a bridge from greater Miami out to the, or from where they were staying into Miami. To, I guess there's little shoals or something. And it's the sound that the bridge made all right, ah. that came up with a So, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I. It's funny. Have you heard about the the singing highway? Oh, I know the singing bridge in Westbrook. Yeah. So there's the singing highway section of uh, I-95 as you head from uh, into Rhode Island. And uh, yeah, I, I first read about it. I don't know if it was in the, in the, the local paper or something. And then I went over it, and it's like, oh yeah. It's like if you didn't know better, you'd think something was wrong with your car. Is it singing feelings? <laughs> <laughs> it might be. Now, there it is. Get Down Tonight by Casey and the Sunshine Band off uh, the Casey and the Sunshine Band album, 1975. So you kind of didn't didn't have it, but um, I always loved the intro to this one. 
and apparently it's a recorded guitar solo that is rendered at double speed over normal, over uh, the normal speed guitar line uh, in the background. And uh, so in a Song Facts interview, Harry Wayne Casey uh, told the story behind the song and it was originally called uh, What You Want Is What You'll Get. And uh, the bass player, Richard Finch, had the idea of using the uh, technique of, uh, you know, the double speed uh, with the guitar riff as a way of adding uh, something to the song. And Finch states that he was always doing weird science like that in those days. But uh, I never knew that, but I always thought, oh, that, that intro is kind of cool. Yeah, I know the intro because Casey talked over it. Yeah. But, uh... You know, it, the, uh, we like Casey, and so we're sitting on the rooftop of this uh, <clears throat> hotel right near the Brooklyn Bridge, and I'm looking across to the southwest, and I, I think I'm seeing um, like, a, like buildings in Staten Island, but what I was seeing was a cruise ship, ah. all right? It was that big. Wow. Okay. And I said to I said to my wife, I says, you know what? Maybe we should go on a '70s disco cruise, <laughs> and if Casey's going to be there. Have, have yeah. you ever been on a cruise? I have not, but that reminds me of a story. So you know, our our, our mutual friend Steve that we work with, he was colleague. on a. He's not a friend. He's a colleague. Colleague. He's not a friend. Okay. <laughs> no, no. See, you're retired now. So you okay. can be a friend. Yeah. So anyway, he was on a cruise and he went up to the bar and I Mark forget- Mark was next to him. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, so the reason I just thought of it is because you mentioned cruise and also they, they ended up going out one night to, I believe it was like a 70s song night on the cruise. And, uh, oh, okay. And then uh, one of them, I think it was uh, Steve left his tie and then uh, Mark and his wife took it, and then Mark gave it back to me to give to Steve when, we, when uh, <laughs> they got back to work. So. <laughs> you know, but Gloria Gaynor's on those things. Yeah. I, I don't know. Do I want to go on a Kiss cruise, or do you want to go on a, on, a, on a 70s disco cruise? I think, you know, my answer to that, um, the, you know, the Army can take go on the Navy boat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go on, on this disco cruise. <laughs> we can go on the Sominex cruise. Um, do they still sell Sominex? Probably. I don't know. Oh, the drug companies, they make so much money on all this other stuff that, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll give you flatulence, uh, uh, peeling skin and uh sweaty and, eyeballs and the piles yeah <laughs> the piles. <laughs> this, this song was uh, number 31 on our last uh, uh countdown from june 21st 1975 this is one of these nights by the eagles yeah yeah i'll keep it brief it got to number one <laughs> Well, I have 
I have a note that I took here. If you're looking on News Channel 8 or on Channel 18, Alka Seltzer and T Bones. Was this used as a. Um, so, no, I, I didn't jot all of it down, but Casey talked about how uh, these guys, so it, this is a Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds, so the song is Falling in Love, but these guys recorded under a different name in the 60s, and they took the Elka seltzer commercial jingle. That's what it was, um, as the T-Bones. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, the T-Bones was the name, yeah. And they, they they took that and made a hit song out of it in the 60s. I meant to go back and look, uh, but I ran out of time. Uh, but is it the that. plop, plop, fizz, fizz? I, oh, what a relief it is. It's the only song I know of. Uh, or I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And then you would open up the medicine cabinet and the guy on the other side would give him something. Yeah, and then the, the spicy meatball, too. <laughs> That's, That's a spicy, a spicy meatball. meatball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See now uh, we get all this stuff that you know will give you piles, and you make your fingernails fall out, you know, yeah. and you make your tongue swell. Yeah. If your tongue swells more than ten days, <laughs> call your doctor. Yeah. It's terrible these drug companies. In the yeah. Uh, so should we talk about the song a little bit? It's um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna put some links if I can find it to those Alka Seltzer commercials in the show notes, but uh, yeah. <laughs> So this one uh, was written by uh, Danny Hamilton and his wife Anne. Anne Hamilton said in the 1970s, as a youngster, she was privileged to have access to the recording industry. And um, then she was, uh, at this time, uh, she was married to Dan Hamilton of Hamilton, Joe, Frank, and Reynolds. And Dan had had a huge record with Don't Pull Your Love Out when they met. And by the time they were married, um, they're working on a new album of original songs and Dan had some difficulty coming up with the lyrics for three songs on the album and so his wife Anne submitted the ideas for Fallen in Love, Winners and Losers and Love Is and uh, her husband Danny loved the lyrics and uh, so she says uh, she had her first hit record with Fallen in Love. Did she get writing credits? Um, good question. I, I didn't think that deep. I would hope so. So until the band had this hit, they were considered one-hit wonders as the rest of uh, their singles followed uh, their top 40 hit, Don't Pull Your Love Out, which we had in the uh, uh, previous episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Well, as we wrap up, this was number one, folks. As we wrap up, the number one label this week was Capitol Records with uh, three records on it. But then again, I, I, my macro might not be working. It might only collect the last one of the three because I also, you know, I, I haven't gone uh, through uh, software quality assurance on this one. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so what What the heck? I did buy some more RAM for my computer and come yet, but um, is there like some stuff running on that spreadsheet because when i go to save it sometimes it takes forever <laughs> well there's a macro yeah is it complicated <laughs> no all it's doing is doing the, the counting up the as you were looking at uh, channel 18 yeah you know okay maybe it's what, got what a virus are you saving it for <laughs> to get the wrong date no no i put i put my show notes in there 
Oh, you do? Yeah, well, that's you how I do it. it back to me. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, but the thing is, every time, file. Yeah. every time I get the, the, the Word file you send me, all yeah. right, you fix it. <laughs> well, my my computer says that it got rid of macros inside of it that are harmful for my computer. Oh, really? You, you might have you a might virus. have a, an STD or something in your computer. Oh, okay. I'll have to uh, yeah try to rectify that. So this is uh, when we do our reviews and things and our choices. So first one we always do is... Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Spock! That song that will torture the other guy. So you want to go first or is it yes. me? I'm All right. going to agonize you with number 14. <laughs> and I don't know why. Yeah, it's um. Well, you you've gotten to know me pretty well, and I I just the the, the sort of slow stuff is uh is not my cup of tea. So not not a bad choice. I I wouldn't want to listen to this one a lot for sure. Yeah. Well. All right. So what I had for you was um uh, kind of easy because you know I, I I just go by the artists and. Uh, yeah, so number two, one of these nights by the Eagles. <laughs> I was going there. I, yeah, <laughs> and, and I bet you could guess what my runner-up was. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would it would have been um, who the heck is it? Uh, James Taylor. Yeah, how sweet it is. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't that? Yeah, I wonder if Jackie Gleason. I was just gonna any... say say that. Yeah, <laughs> how sweet it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, my my best song of the week is number three. Yeah, yeah, good song. I I, I said in I think the the last episode that it's like every time I hear Casey, it's like that they're all toe tapping songs that that make you feel good. Yeah. So what's your best song of of the countdown, my friend? It was I had a little bit of a struggle, and but I finally ended up with uh, number nineteen. That's the way of the world by, by Earth, Wind, and Fire. I uh, realized over the years how much I, I really think these guys were talented. So uh, and uh, I had one runner-up, which was actually uh, number forty. It only takes a minute. So it's kind yeah, of interesting. That's too, that's too far up in the count. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of interesting from, you know, again, we talked about burning our uh, Disco Sucks cards. and But this countdown, you know, you had Tush and, and I don't know, maybe one or two others. But For 1975. Yeah, not a lot of rock in there, really. No. Know? No? So, and not a lot of funk either. Yeah, yeah. So... So what did you have to really pick from? So that, that that's where I ended up. And, and this is a great song, you know? Their, yeah. their songs were just really uplifting, Every, everything they did. Yeah. I told you at our wedding, not you're in my wedding, the wedding <laughs> we had- uh, That's how rumors get started. <laughs> that's right. We, we, we had, uh, was September? Um, okay. As, as a as a song were you married in september no we were married in august oh i was married in september okay well yow <laughs> <laughs> all right 
I'm going to give you the worst song of the countdown. Oh, which one was this? Was this the Moody Blues one? I think I picked the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> no, the Moody Blues is on next week's. This is the Osmonds. Oh, this one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? It's because I fumbled with the with the music. But I'll say this this one stinks. Okay. So this is number 34. It should have been number 35. So. Oh, okay. Just out of curiosity, what was 35? Feelings. Oh, okay. Um, well, close enough. Well, you yeah. know what? You know what I can do? I, I just to just to give a little bit of feeling. There we go. <laughs> this one stinks too. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. my runner-up because because I, I put the the metal on the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's there there were some a few choices, and this one was a, a runner-up for me as well. But uh, I kind of I guess went with the more obvious, and I, I went with a number thirty-seven. Run, Joey, run! <laughs> You're kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, right? This sounds like it should have been a decade earlier, like in '65. It would have been, you know. <laughs> Well, the problem is, is, is if it came out during the Vietnam War, which was sort of over by now, you know, you could say, you know, run, Joey, run from, from the guy that's going to draft you. Yeah. But now you got to run away from the, the crazy father. Do you, you know? do you remember the kids show in the 70s, Run, Joe, Run? It was the dog, the German Shepherd, and it was supposed to be like a an army dog that got accused of, uh, you know, turning on its handler, and then the dog was on the run. No, no, but I do remember, remember Big John, Little John with uh, with uh, Olive Cubs and Oliver on it. Wasn't he in that? Oh, yeah, that one doesn't ring a bell to me. Uh, how about how about uh, Lots of Life with uh, with uh, General Borkholter's sister and Dom <laughs> DeLuise? Okay, that when you lots of luck. Yeah, when you mentioned Dom Deloise, that sort of rang a little bit of a bell. I'll have to look yeah. that up. That, that's on the weekends right after my mother of the car. Okay. So, all right. So my guilty pleasure, and I hope it's yours too, because this is a great song from the time. <laughs> yes. Are, are, are we in sync? We are in sync. I mean, like I said, when uh, when we were talking about it during the countdown, it's like this brought an immediate smile to my face. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I it almost transported me back, you know, like I, I was picturing some faces, uh, like kids I knew back then or whatever. But, uh, yeah, he, he, boy, all of, when you have a song written about yourself, that's, a hot, you know, you have the song here, Carl Yastrzemski, Carl Yastrzemski, <laughs> you know, you have things like that, you know, yeah. you, you got these, uh, yeah. but this is, this is a real hit, okay, for someone that was very important. Yeah, yeah, 
and, and using kind of his own, you know, what, yeah, words and persona. And it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, story song of the week. You said it earlier. Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, so I think, uh, I don't know whether it was the previous episode or the episode before, I said, you know, the criteria, at least in my mind, is you don't have to think the song is good. You just have to think that it tells a story. Is this your story song? So this is it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you gave it away two hours ago. Yeah, yeah. Did I? Did I say? Yeah, you said the word story, and I cringed. Sorry. I cringed. It says you can't say that. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll make a note of that. Of course, now that you said it here, I can't edit that out. You know, retrospect. Well, you know, it's we have. Our, our next uh, thing, which is our <coughs> divergent songs, and I have number thirty. All right, solitaire. Because this is you're you're just hanging out by yourself, and 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 you're you're miserable, <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't want to eat. <laughs> And of course, you get here. You really can't do this by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice tie in there. <laughs> Unless you really love yourself, I don't. <laughs> oh. This is a family show. <laughs> you, right. you censored the BS, you know, earlier. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, what do you have? All right. So I went in a little bit different direction, but... Um, <laughs> so I had number 11, Fight the Power, versus number 9 at 17, because Fight the Power is saying, you know what? You know, don't let the world get you down. Keep fighting, you know, no matter what goes on. And then, unfortunately, at 17 is, is really just a lament about and, and kind of given up about, you know, the world is this way and, and no matter what, I'm going to be an outcast and left out. So well, that was my reasoning there. <laughs> All right. Well, well, as we uh, as we listen to uh, Janice, what is... Uh, how would you uh, rate your countdown? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, you know, I did my ratings of each song and songs and uh, tallied them up. And so I had what I considered 19 good songs, 18 neutral, two bad and one sap. But I'll tell you, with some of the 18 neutral, they were on the border that, that I thought they were bad. So. I gave this uh, this countdown a B, a, a B only. Um, yeah. I think the last uh, the the episode seven from uh, June of '75, uh, that one got a C plus for me. And um, I think 
you know, that one had the trifecta of bad songs, if you remember. Um, yeah. You know, Wildfire. Oh, yeah, we're all uh, next to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're songs so, in the world. So all of those songs are out at this point in the countdown. So that means, you know, that this probably moved up a bit. So that that's the beat. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to... Um, I'm going to give this a little lower. I'm going to give this a B minus. Okay. And, uh, you know, you listen to a song like this, see yourself, wow, this is really good. And then I, I, I find my way, <clears throat> find my way, where the heck is it? I find my way. I think it's here, but I'll mess this up. I did it again. <laughs> How about here? Well, no. This is a good song. Maybe we'll roll out on this one. This is a good song. Yeah. Um, I, I, I need to maybe start working on what you do by rating every song. Yeah. My problem is I'm not retired. Yeah. I don't have that kind of time. And I just yeah. go by gut feeling. Well. Now, I did I did have to change my rating last week. All right. Um, yeah. Just because of what listening to it again. B minus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, funny thing, though, is your gut feeling versus my scientific. We're not really coming out that far apart. Um, you know, I. And, and like I said, or, or like we were saying, you know, not a lot of rock in this countdown and, and not much funk either. It, it kind of, yeah, it hit but that there, 75. there are forgettable things like the Three Dog Night. Yeah. Right? And yeah. the Cat Stevens and the Osmond Brothers and and uh, New Birth, Dream Merchant and Temptation yeah. Songs, Glasshouse. Like a lot of stuff at the bottom you don't remember. If we, and then we go to the top and... You know, there's there's stuff that you'll still hear today on 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 the radio. Um, and if you look in the top 14, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven songs that are in here for 10 weeks. Yeah. Okay. Eagles, Glenn Campbell, great song. Why can't be some friends? War. Eh. Please, Mr. Please. Eh. Midnight Blue. Eh. Love will keep us together. As as. As sick as I was in that song in the 70s, it's a good song. <laughs> yeah. And 10 CC, I'm not in love. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, I think, as opposed to like uh, our last episode, there's, there's good songs in this countdown, but there's not like a lot of phenomenal songs, you know? So I, I, I rated, you know, 19 good songs, but it wasn't like, you know, these are, these are like upper tier good songs, if you will. So. All right, a uh, quick new segment here. Uh, I'm calling it the uh, Rory Gallagher thread that runs through the 70s, so. Just in this countdown, um, he performed on the same bill with nine artists, so that's 22.5%. Is that us? We're, we're doing a podcast about stuff uh, almost 50 years ago, so we're holding on to yesterday. <laughs> I did think about that. Yeah. 
All right, I think we're done. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Um, and uh, hope you have a good weekend. Yep, we already picked next week's, which I accidentally started researching ahead of time due to my clerical error. So yeah. should be a good episode. So what would Casey say at the end of the... Uh, yeah, so as uh, Casey might say, keep control of your backyard, but don't lose your global reach. Alrighty. And keep your podcast machine right where it's tuned at the 70s Weekly Countdown. Alrighty. Have a good evening. <laughs>